Welcome to the Linked Up Church Podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, Pastor Joel Gregory continues with part two of his powerful series, Choose Life. Get your pen and your pad ready. Let's go into the worship center and hear what God has for us today. All right, today we'll pick up with Choose Life Part 2. I will not go backwards to go forwards. And so if you weren't here on last week, I would encourage you to go back, listen to the message, also look at the notes. Really, we talked about what led up to this text. So we went back and looked at Deuteronomy chapter 28, 29, which really Moses ministered three separate sermons. And now we're looking at his final instructions before he, uh, before he dies because he's not allowed Uh, to go over into the promised land. So let's read our foundation text in Deuteronomy chapter 30. We'll read verses 15 through 20 out of the New Living Translation. And it reads, now listen, today I am giving you a choice. And the Hebrew word simply means to select. In other words, he's giving you an option, right? Then he says, between life and death, between prosperity and disaster. And I love Adam Clark's commentary, because Adam Clark's commentary says that he's given you a choice between present blessings and future blessings, and he's also given you a choice between uh, present misery and future misery. Now, what do you all think is the best choice to make there? It should be common sense, right? All right, let's keep reading. For I command you, so now he's given an order or a charge to them this day. Then he gives instructions that you should love the Lord your God and keep his commandments, decrees, and regulations by walking in his ways. He says, if you do this, you will live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you and the land you are about to enter to occupy. And so I just want to encourage everyone in here today. God has a promised land for all of his children. Okay, three people believe that. I said God has a promised land for all of his children. He has no favorites, right? We're all his favorites. And the way to get there is the same for all of his children, right? So, so I just want to paint a picture for, for you. Some people made it. Some people didn't make it. But they all heard the same information. I need a little better, better amen in here. Right? All heard the same information. Some made it, some didn't. Verse 17, but if your heart turns away and you refuse to listen, and if you are drawn away to serve and worship other gods, notice he doesn't draw you away, you draw yourself away. It says, then I warn you now that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live a long, good life in the land you are crossing the Jordan to occupy. So we can see here, long life connected to obedience, short life connected to disobedience. Verse 19, today I've given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call heaven and earth, wait till we get to that, uh, to witness the choice that you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. Notice God's calling heaven and earth as a witness to the choices that we make, right? And when we get to that, we won't get there today. We'll get there next week because most people are going to say, uh, you know, it's just like kids, right? If they get caught doing something wrong, I didn't know. It wasn't me. (laughs) 
I wasn't there, right, right or wrong. And, and God's going to play that tape. He's going to say, wasn't that you sitting in that service at 4331 Linked Up Church in Brown, on Brownsville? Wasn't that you sitting right there? And then that pastor give you that opportunity. Didn't, didn't he give you that choice? And then is that you walking out without making a choice? Verse 20, you can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. That's a process right there that we're going to talk about. He's telling you how to make the choice. And then he says, this is the key to your life. I mean, you know, God wouldn't tell you to go somewhere and not tell you how to successfully get there. Right? Watch this now. I'm going to go a step further. Then he wouldn't tell you to go somewhere and all the provision that you need is not already there waiting on you. Right? Because that's his way of showing you that he already went ahead of you, set everything up for you. All you needed to do was obey him to get there. All right? And that's no different than what we're reading here in this story. He says here, that is the key to your life. If you love and obey the Lord, you will live long. How many times does he reiterate that? In the land, the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So as a reminder, God set life and death before his people, right, at the borders of the promised land. As all people do, the children of Israel had a choice. They could choose to obey God or they could choose to disobey him. One choice would lead to life and the other choice would lead to death. Now, uh, I didn't say this earlier, but I really pray that you would follow along. How I many you know you are not at the movie theater this weekend? Right? I'm just watching a lot of people just looking at me right now. All of this information is in the Bible app, right? It's on our app, right? It, the scriptures go up on the screen, but there's nothing like you looking at your own device or Bible. Anybody got a paper Bible in here today? Lift up a paper Bible. My God, boy, they, they are a paper Bible saved. Come on, give them a, come on, give them a big round of applause. Still, still bring that Bible to church. All right? But I want you to look at it so that you can say that I saw it for myself. Listen, what I'm trying to help you do is never, ever trust the pastor. I personally would never, ever believe nothing that comes out of a pastor's mouth unless he shows it to you in the Word of God. And then believe it because God said it, not because the pastor said it. You all understand the difference? Too many people running around talking about the pastor said. What did God say? Because that's much higher, okay? Now, so remember, obedience activates the blessing, right, and enablement to prosper. God will put something on you. Every time you obey God, how I many know he empowers you to carry out what it is that you're obeying? Right? And disobedience activates the curse. And we looked at what both of those are. And that's an enablement to fail. That's the person that really everything that they try, nothing works. Now, let's look at the key points from our foundation text today. Uh, and let's see how the Father teaches us how to make the right choice. Because he's not going to tell us what choice to make and then not tell us how to make that choice. What that looks like. He's not going to do that without giving us first instruction. And in verse 16, there's interesting that the first thing that comes out of his mouth, he says, is to love God. Such a master key to life is to love God. Go with me to Matthew chapter 22. 
and we're going to read verses 36 through 38 out of the New Living Translation. And the Pharisees here came to Jesus. Of course, they knew the law frontwards and backwards, but they asked this question here. They say, teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses that we're reading out of in Deuteronomy? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your cardia, your inner being, your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions, and your mind. So how many know God wants all of you, not some of you? Right? Then he says here, this is the first and the greatest commandment. See, really, when God was giving them a choice, what he wanted to do was enter into relationship with them. Right? He was entering into covenant with them. And if you understand covenant, right, it's just like marriage. That's why marriage mirrors our relationship with God. Right? We stand at an altar and we say words out of our mouth that are supposed to seal the covenant that we're making with someone that we're supposed to love with our entire being for the rest of our lives. Right? And we, say, we stand there and we say words like this, for better or for worse. But that's not what we mean. We say we mean for better. As soon as things get tough, guess what people do? This is what we say. We stand there and we say, for sickness and in health. What we really mean is in health. We say for poverty or for wealth. Lord, don't let somebody lose their job. <laughs> right? When in most cases, they are what they were when we married them. God is no different, right? When we enter into this, he wants us to make a choice, but he doesn't want us to make a half-hearted choice. He wants all of us, not just some of us. I mean, a lot of times, you know, our, our mind can be with God, but our, our, everything else is somewhere else. You know, we say, God knows my heart, but my body is somewhere else. My body is doing other things, and I'm telling God he knows my heart. That's like me telling my wife, I'm cheating on you, but you know my heart. I don't think she's going for that. See, I'm going to bring it right home. She said, say it again. Say it a little louder. Say it with your chest. Come on, say it like you mean it. Get up and stump on that and walk in. I'm just kidding. Don't do that. Uh, <laughs> but she means that, right? Now, watch this. If I say I love her, I won't do those things. I'm, I'm, I'm going to work this real slow. To do those things, see, I might be telling her I love her, but I'm actually showing her that I don't. What you're getting ready to learn about God, God is not into your words. He's into what you live. All right, now that you all are all excited in here today, <laughs> let's look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 5, and I'm going to read out of the New King James Version. 1 John 2, 5 says, but whosoever, somebody say, I'm a whosoever, but whosoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. Mm. Mm. Did you catch that? 
How's the love of God perfected in you? See, not by what you say, but by what you do. He says, by this we shall know that we are in him. Not by this. Hallelujah. How will we know that we are in him? We keep his word. Number two, all of this builds on each other. He said all of this in verse 16. Next thing he says here, walk and live in my ways. Walk means to live. So walk in his ways or live in his ways. Simply put, he means to live like he would live. And he sent his son Jesus to the earth to demonstrate what that walk life looks like. Right? It would almost be wrong for me to tell you what to do and then not show you how to do it. So God said, I'm going to come to earth myself and show you and live this out in front of you so you would have no excuse. You can read it, and then you can see it lived out in the life that I lived. So really, the more you know of Jesus, the more you'll know how to walk like Jesus. Now let's look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 6 out of the New King James Version. He who says he abides in him. Now, that word abides means to settle down, to take up residence in. This person is confessing out of their mouth that I live Jesus 24 hours a day, seven days a week. He is my life, right? Watch what he says here. He who says that, that he abides in him, ought himself also to walk just as he walked. So now, again, he wouldn't tell you to walk like he walked walked if he wasn't giving you the ability to do it. Stop saying this is hard. Scripture says that the way of a transgressor is hard. Jesus said, come unto me, all ye that are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. What did he say? For my yoke is easy and my burden is what? So why are we saying it's hard to live this? Right? Transgressor means to go against. It's only hard when I go against. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 8 through 10. Again, number two, we walk and we live in his ways. Ephesians 5, 8 through 10, the Passion Translation says, Once your life was full of sin's darkness. Does anybody remember those days? Or am I the only one that just got saved later on in life? How many of y'all remember when just you did everything you thought you were big and bad enough to do? That was wrong. Raise your hand if you remember those days. And you didn't even want to be right. Anybody? I know people would come to me with a Bible and I would say, hey, dog, let's save that. This ain't, this ain't that time right now. No, not right now. I was riding with one of my partners. He used to put the Bible on his dashboard. And I guess that was supposed to keep us safe that night. And he'd touch it before we go out. I'm like, man, if you don't put that Bible up somewhere, we get ready to go get something to drink, get ready to go hang out. You talking about Lord, keep us. But now that I've matured, how many know he meant well? He just didn't know any better, right? But I'll never forget that as long as I live. So once your life was full of sin's darkness, but now you have the very light of our Lord shining through you. 
Because of your union with him. Listen, and he gives you your mission. Your mission is to live as children flooded with his revelation light. And the supernatural fruits of his light will be seen in your goodness, your righteousness, and your truth. Notice, not your words. Then you will learn to choose what is beautiful to our, our Lord. So, so a lot of people, you don't learn by listening. You hear by listening. You learn by doing. He says, you'll learn when you do this, and then all of your supernatural fruits will be evident to everyone that you come in contact with. Number three, keep his commandments, his decrees, and his regulations. These three are about the same. They all fall under the heading of God's commandments. Let's look at Matthew chapter 19, verse 16 and 17, out of the New King James Version. And everybody knows the story of the rich young ruler. And how many of you know the rich young ruler had a lot of money? But how many of you know that money had him? Right? And so everyone at some point in your life, if you want to be rich, if you want a lot of resources, you're going to have to pass what's called money test. God's going to ask you for things just to see if you love that more than you love him. And, and watch, mark my word here. He's not asking you to take something away from you. He's actually trying to elevate you to a higher level. Right? And so all he's doing is proving that you can be trusted with one million. Because he knows he's got five for you. But how many know sometimes he can't trust us with $100? Because $10 off of $100 for some people is like $10. Well, when you think about that, you're going to spend that anyway. So this rich young ruler came to him and said, good teacher, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Great question. So he said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but one that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. I studied that a little bit more last night. I want to understand what was he telling him. I mean, he wasn't saying to him, if you want to go to heaven, if you want to die today and go to heaven. He literally said to him, if you want to enter into Zoe, if you want to enter into to, to, to the life that I have set up for you, if you want to experience life the way I designed it, right? If you want to live on earth the way I set earth to be lived up on, he told him to keep my commandments. Now, remember, the young fellow was rich. So in his mind, he thought he had everything. I mean, you know, there are a lot of rich people that are the most miserable people you could ever run across in your life. We see them on TV all day, every day, right? Right? Listen to that opportunity he was given. This man thought he had everything. The young man walked away from that saying, grieved, because his money had him. And God was trying to offer him something higher than his money. Let's look at 1 John chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. He said, if you want to enter into the Zoe, the God kind of life, just keep my commandments. 1 John 5, 2 and 3 says, by this we know, New King James Version, that we love the children of God. How do we know that? When we love God 
and keep his commandments. Now, that's interesting there. So I can't really love people the way I need to love them without knowing what his word said about how to love them. You all see that? That's actually the second of the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Then he says to love your neighbor how? So, so you see the process there. Loving myself is first loving God. And then God is teaching me how to love myself. Now I can give somebody else what I first receive. When I don't receive it for myself, how I many know I'm going to treat other people the way I treat myself? You all see that? And so a lot of times it doesn't have anything to do with other people. It's what's going on internally inside of me. So he says, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Now, he defines it here. He defines how to love him by keeping his commandments. And then he reminds us again, and his commandments are not burdensome. Right? You know, I know for how many of y'all are single? Raise your hands out here if you're single. Raise your hands. That's a lot of people in this room. Raise your hand. Lift it up real high. Now look around the room. You see anybody that looks good to you? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But how many of y'all know for a 22-year-old young man to say that I'm not going to sleep with someone again until I get married sounds burdensome. And in the natural, I don't know how I'm going to make that. Anybody else in here willing to be honest? But at 22, that's what God said to me. And then I come out of my prayer closet a year later, and I'm crying, Minister Bernard, like a baby. And I tell my mother, God just told me it's going to be seven more years before I get married. <laughs> now, how many of you know to a 23-year-old, seven years is like 7,000 years, right? But it's interesting. I just want to throw this out there. The more I obey God, right, the desire never left. It just made it easier to overcome it. Is everybody clear? And so this relationship, I'm going somewhere with this. This relationship became so strong that I got to a place where I just didn't want to disappoint him. I didn't want to hurt him. Even though my desire was to do that every day. All day, multiple times throughout the day. Anybody else in here willing to be honest? My love for him would always say the same. Now, how many of y'all are married in here? Raise your hand if you're married. I'm going to show you how this same principle works. Right? So now my love for her is the same as my love for God. Right? Now I've learned how to love myself. I respect myself. I value myself. See, I didn't sleep with her prior to me. I'm valuing myself. Right? So now I'm loving her the way I love him. Amen. Right? Now, how many of you know, we've been married 25 years. There are a lot of beautiful women all over the world. The principle is still the same. When I think about I don't want to hurt her. I don't want to disappoint her. You all understand? Now, watch this. If you remove that, she does not have the ability to keep me. I don't care how good she looks, how well she takes care of herself, how great. I don't care about none of that. If I remove that, she can't keep me. So now let me take you all the way back. If I never get that right as a single person, 
Now I'm jacking my life up and everybody else's life I come in contact with. Watch this. But blaming everybody else for the choices that I made. You all still glad you came to church today? Can we get a little bit more of this? So, so then, believe it or not, my choices begin to be birthed out of how I see myself. Okay? All right. Watch this now. A few points I want to make under this. Letter A, if we love Jesus, we will keep his commandments. Now, look at John chapter 14, verse 15, right? I'm building here. Holy Spirit is building here. Look at this verse 15. Uh, first, uh, I'm sorry, St. John chapter 14, verse 15. If we love him, letter A, Jesus will keep his commandments. Notice what he says here. Loving me empowers you to obey my commands. Notice what he didn't say. Keep my commands and you'll learn how to love me. He said, loving me is what empowers you to keep my commands. You all see the difference? So imagine trying to love or keep his commands, but you don't really love him. Imagine me trying to stay faithful, but I don't really love her. Imagine me trying to stay faithful, but I don't really love him. So, so that shows up in every area of my life. Now on the job, I can't be true to how they train me because that's just not who I am. As soon as they walk away, I'm going to do the opposite of what they trained me to do because that's my character. And that shows up everywhere. So I'm inconsistent in all aspects because of this one inconsistency. So loving me empowers you to obey my commands. Let's go. Let's drop down. Now, now. I, man, I tell you, when I studied this, hours, I, I needed to understand how does he empower us to obey his commands. Something about that, I just, I could not let it go. I'm like, loving you, empower, but how do you empower us? Let's drop down to verse 23, right? Because context is king. So typically, if you keep reading, how I many of you know he'll tell you what he meant by what he said previously? Look at verse 23. Jesus replied, he, he reiterates, loving me empowers you to obey my word. Then look how he encourages. And my father will love you so deeply that we will come to you and we will make you our dwelling place. We're going to come. Me and the father, see, Holy Spirit is how he empowers us are going to come to live on the inside of you. Oh, boy, y'all missed a good place right there to lift up your hands Right? You, you see this? Which means now it's really not me doing it, but it's Christ in me. He's doing the work. He's keeping me. I'm not keeping myself. He's keeping me. And so the more I love him, the more I keep his word, the more he keeps me. Oh, I need a little better amen in here right now. Right? See, so I can start seeing my inability to be kept has nothing to do with other people. It's my inability to keep this and his word. That's keeping me from keeping everything else. Because so you're not who you are in this room. You're who you are when you leave this room. I mean, I'm not who, who, I'm not who my wife thinks I am when we're together. I'm who I am when we're apart. That's the real me. 
Verse 24, but those who do not love me will not obey my words. The Father did not send me to speak my own revelation, but the words of my Father. And I'm telling you this while I'm still with you. Now, here it is. But when the Father sends the Spirit of holiness, or the Holy Spirit, the one like me who sets you free, he will teach you all things in my name. Watch this. And inspire you to remember every word I've told you. So now I understand how he keeps empowering me. When I want to do wrong, how many know the Holy Spirit will remind me of what Jesus said? And then give me the ability to walk that out. You all see how this works? But imagine if the only time I hear his word is in church on Sunday morning. See, I'm off Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And Jesus, I need you on Sunday. So I, I can't live consistently with such an inconsistent relationship. So now, again, I'm blaming my wife. If you do this, if you do that, if you do No, no. And God is saying to me, if you read your word, if you pray sometimes, any just sometimes, a little bit. <laughs> and I'm looking at everybody else. If you just be this, if you do this, and he's saying to me, if you just do that and do this. And the more I, I, I grow in God, I realize my victory has nothing to do with other people. And it has everything to do with God. Which means, whether she does it or she doesn't do it, I'm still going to be who he said for me to be in this relationship. You all want a little bit more of this today? So essentially what he's saying here is that me and the Father, our presence is going to be with you everywhere you go. Now, how many you know if his presence is with you everywhere you go, you can't lose? R really think about it. I can't get COVID if he's with me. Even if I do, it has to die instantly. People say to me all the time, I love riding my motorcycle. I rode my motorcycle for about four hours yesterday. And people always say to me, be careful out there on that bike. We need you. We need you to come back safely. And, and my, my answer is always the same. I'm safer on that bike than most people are out here walking. Because God is riding that bike with me. I know y'all like, oh, he shouldn't have said that. Now, watch up, have it to him. I bind that and curse that in the name of Jesus. I take authority over every negative thought that just came out of somebody's head right now, and I'll live long. I'll live and not die. Glory to God. I'll ride motorcycles until I can't walk no more. I'll, I'll ride a motorcycle at 103 years of age in Jesus' name. I literally tell people that. I say, I'm safer on my bike than most people are out here walking on the street. You all remember, I'm thinking of a story of David. Help me out, babe, if I need you to help me with this story. And I believe it's somewhere around 2 Samuel chapter 12. 
And, and David had just recovered the Ark of the Covenant. And, and the Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of God. It's where God lived. And so they were so excited, they forgot to read the instructions on how to handle that Ark. And so while bringing that Ark back to the city of David, one of David's men touched that Ark. And he fell out and died. And that grieved David so bad. <laughs> David was so upset. And so they paused for a minute and they took the Ark of the Covenant and they put it in the home of a guy by the name of Obed-Edom the Gittite, if I'm remembering the story correctly, right? And the scripture says that the Ark of the Covenant was in Obed-Edom's house for three whole months. And, and, and the scripture says that God blessed Obed-Edom his household, and everything that concerned him. Then David's men went back and told David, everything about Obed-Edom has increased since the ark has been in his house. And this is what he just said, me and my father are going to come and live with you. David said, go get that ark. <laughs> right? And the scripture says that, that every Help me out, Bible scholars. Every six steps, David would bust out a dance and just began praising God. What was he so excited about? Because God was with him. He knew everything was getting ready to work. He knew he was getting ready to be the greatest king that ever lived. Not because he was great, but because he knew God was great. And as long as he had God with him, he knew everything was going to be all right. I came to tell somebody today that if God is on your side, don't you worry about what man might try to do unto you. Come on, somebody. A thousand can fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High God shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my strength, my fortress, and God, and in him will I trust. Come on, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nay, in all these things, I am more than a conqueror through Christ who lives in me. If God is for you, then who can be against you? Come on, let's stop walking around here like we don't have power, like we don't have authority, like we don't have ability, like we can't say COVID, die now in the name of Jesus. Come on, let's stop that. Let's stop hiding and running and being scared when we've got all of this power available to us. And God himself is on our side. So then I, I've got to, so loving God is more than an emotion. It is a life lived according to God's ways. It is the daily choices we make about our thoughts, our relationship, our character, which indicate whether we love God. See, I, I come from a background where you, ah, the Holy Spirit is our counselor and inner guide to help us obey Jesus and know what it is he's instructing us to do. God's desire, family, is for intimacy with us. For, for a relationship, listen to this. This is why he said we're going to come and live with you. 
God wants to be at home with you. He doesn't just want to live with you on Sunday. He wants to have a home in your heart. The single intention to be at home with those who love and obey him, it actually shows us the motive of God in reaching out to us through Jesus Christ. Look at the length that he went through. He died. He got beat just so he can have a home with us. He said, I don't want to dwell in temples made with hands anymore. I want to live with my people. But does his people want to live with him? See, we make our choices, but then our choices make us. And God forbid we blame everybody else for the choices that we made. So he desires that you would join his family. And it is an incredible privilege. See, if we do this, then we're promised that the Lord will bless us abundantly. And I'm going to stop right here for today. John chapter 15, verses 7 through 8. Actually, I'm going to move a... It's 1104. Maybe I'm not. Hold on. John chapter 15, verse 7 and 8, the Passion Translation says, But if you live in life union with me, see, this is what it's always about with him. And if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask me whatever you desire, and it will be done. See, see, again, let me go back to the marriage relationship. She can literally ask me for whatever she wants. And if I have it, she has it. Period. But I have limitations. Listen to this. God has no limitations. That's why even if you're married, don't look at your spouse as your only source. Because God can do for you what they can't do for you. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples and you glorify me. Let's go through point number four very quickly. Let's look at this process of moving away from God. How many know people don't just wake up one morning and say, I'm through with God? How many know it's a process? Right? He detailed in this text, verses 17 and 18, what that process looks like. I'm going to go through it quickly, but I want you to go back and study it some more on your own. Number one, that person's heart turns away from God. How do we know their heart has turned away? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, out of the Passion Translation. It says here, Hebrews 10, 26, the heart turns away first. For we continue to persist in deliberate sin after we have known and received the truth. See, that's the key. After I know that this is wrong and I continue in it, I mean, my heart is turning away from God. There is not another sacrifice for sin to be made for that individual. So what what God is saying here, if they're going to treat the blood and my son that way, then there are no other sacrifices for that individual. The one who knows the truth and then deliberately keeps sinning. That's an indication a person's heart is turning from God. Second thing that happens to them, they refuse to listen. You ever just went and tried to help someone? 
Let's look at Acts chapter 28, verses 26 and 27 out of the Passion Translation. Paul's ministry in this moment is to the Jewish leaders at Rome. He's just left the island of, of Malta, and now God is sending him to speak to the Jewish leaders at Rome. But this is what God tells him before he gets here, gets there. He says, I send you to this people to say to them, you will keep learning but not understand. You will keep staring at truth but not perceiving it. Your hearts are hard and insensitive to me. You must be hard of hearing. For you've closed your ears so that you won't be troubled by the truth. And you've covered your ears so that you won't have to listen and be pierced by what I say. For then you know that you would have to respond and repent so that I could heal your heart. See, look at the end of that. God is still showing you how good he is. He said, at any point you change that, I'll heal your heart. But some people, like I was, you know, that's why I said, it's nothing to beat yourself up about. I just didn't want to hear it at a period in my life. I was like, no, I'm doing this. Right? But the moment I turned, God welcomed. Right? And then treated me like I had never been away. And restored everything to me that I lost while I was out there. He's just that good. Letter C. Then we get drawn away. So what's the first thing happens to us? Our heart turns away. What's the second thing? Third thing is we get drawn away. Let me show you what that looks like. Look at James chapter 1 verses 13 through 15. New Living uh, Translation. It says, and remember, when you are being tempted, do not say... See, this is important. God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. So if it's wrong, God is not in it. Everybody clear on that? Look at this. Temptation comes from our own desires. That word desires there in the King James and New King James is lust. It's an inordinate desire or affection for what's forbidden, right? And so I can't keep running around saying, why do I keep getting in these old bad relationships, right? Because I have an inordinate desire that I cannot control for what's forbidden, right? So, so nobody can make you do anything you don't want to do. So you can say all day long, I don't know how I ended up in this situation. Yes, you do. You know exactly how you ended up in that situation. See, see a lot of people will say, you know, it's impossible for this to happen. We just went on a date, and, and then all of a sudden we parked, and, and we started kissing, and, and then we went in the house, and my button just popped off. My, my, all of a sudden, my blouse just popped off. My shoes flew off. I mean, there was a whole lot of stuff happening. And then we just ended up in the bedroom. How I many know you don't just end up there? You go there on purpose. And then we still try to say things to ourselves. Well, we're just going to lay here. As long as we don't. How I many know we're on a slippery slope? Now, if you just keep looking at me and you don't look away, I, I, we're good. As soon as you do that, see, you like. How many of y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And, and that's all because of who we are. 
See, there's no sense in me saying I'm not attracted to something if, I, if all I'm doing is spending my other time looking at other stuff. See, the, the, the spouse didn't change. You changed. You all still glad you came to church today? All right. You sure? So temptation comes from my own desires. We used to tell you, they used to say, Pastor, I just can't help myself. Uh, no, yes, you can. All right. Now, can I just give you a quick nugget, then I got to move on. The only way I was able to control this was not to put myself in that situation. And guess what's still true to this day? I just don't put myself in that situation. Because I don't trust myself. I know in my flesh there's no good thing. And that's why Paul said, have no confidence in your flesh. Because the moment you put yourself in that situation, how many know your flesh will take you somewhere you didn't want to go? Come on, how many know it'll make you stay longer than you want to stay? And then you'll end up paying more than you wanted to pay. Right? So know thine own self. Right? And then entice, that means to be entrapped or lured, then drug away. These desires give birth to sinful action. So, so what gives birth to sinful action? Our own lust. Right? And so until we get that out of us, how many of we'll never be able to manage that? And when sin is allowed to grow, then it will give birth to death. So in other words, now I'm enticed, the seed has been planted, now I've given into it. And if I let that grow, it'll eventually destroy me. Everybody see that process? We'll close here. Serve and worship other gods. Now, how many of you know God is a jealous God? And he'll have no other gods before him, right? Right? I'm just going to go here real quick. Music department is going to get themselves together because I'm going to give you an opportunity here to demonstrate something to God. So now, God wants to be your focal point. Worship for God is not singing songs. That's the byproduct of something else. Everybody clear? Worship is obedience, right? And the more obedient a person is, the more they want to worship God. But it's very possible to worship God because it's just flesh at times and not be obedient to God. Everybody clear? Now, in John chapter 4, verses 23 and 24... New Living Translation, it says, But the time is coming, and indeed it's here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father how? How? True worshipers, right? So if there's a true worshiper, there must be a false worshiper. Right? So spirit and in truth, right? So now I'm worshiping according to what I know. So now watch this. When I can't worship, it's not because I don't want to. It's because I don't know him enough to do it. Everybody clear on that? And and he literally says here, the father is looking for that type of individual that will worship him in that way. So it's not a lot of times the praise and worship team, they're fighting and they're working to try to get people to, to, but, but they can't if they don't know him. 
But but you put little Boosie on, you put little you and you'll see him. Boy, you you'll see him just respond. Watch this now to what they know. And are very acquainted with and have a great relationship with. See, because they know that so well, they worship that so well. See, then they come in here and it's foreign. It don't sound like that. Certainly won't have words like that. So I can't relate to that. Watch this, because I'm not like that. Everybody clear? So the Father is looking for those that will worship him in spirit and in truth. There's only one other place, music department, there's only one other place in the entire Bible where God says, I'm looking for someone. And that's in the Old Testament. God says, I searched throughout the entire earth, searching to and from, searching for someone that I can show myself strong on their behalf. Right? If you look at the context there, he's looking for someone whose heart was upright towards him. Right? I want to give you an opportunity today. Let's all stand to our feet. And we're just going to take a couple of minutes right now to worship what you know. Did you hear how I said that? To worship what you know. Right? I'm going to open this altar up. So if you want to come down to the front and worship, if you want to just worship at your seat, the music department is going to come right now and just lead us towards him. And I want you to just pay attention to how you respond. Let's see. We worship you in the spirit. We worship you in the truth. We worship you in the spirit. That's what we're gonna do Into the holies of holy That's where we're gonna be Into the holies of holy That's where we 
lift all of our hands up towards heaven right now. Come on, I believe in an atmosphere like this, people can get healed. Come on, people can get set free. People can get delivered. Come on, people can receive jobs. Come on, whatever you need is in an atmosphere of worship. Father, we worship you in spirit and in truth today. That's where we want to live and that's where we want to be, Father. It's in your presence, Father. Not just on Sundays, Father, but all throughout the week. If you need healing in your body right now, I just want you to say these words. Say, Father God, by your stripes, I am healed now in Jesus' name. Go ahead and thank God for it right now. Come on, go ahead and thank God for it. Come on, somebody's getting healed even as I'm praying right now. Somebody's body is physically getting healed right now. Hallelujah. Somebody needs a job in here. Who needs a job in here? Raise up your hand right now. Say these words with me. Father God, you supply all my needs according to your riches and glory. I receive my job now in Jesus' name. Come on, go ahead and thank God like you already have. Come on, go ahead and thank God like you already have. Come on, come on. I believe God is delivering people. Come on, God's healing people. God's redeeming people. God's restoring people. All of this can be done in a lifestyle of worship. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we want to invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died, rose from the grave, and he is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name. Praise God, we are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations, we are so excited that you made the decision to get connected to God. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit us at linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, view past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text get connected to 94000. Thanks again for listening. Have an amazing week and we look forward to connecting with you.